at Jared, we know devotion isn't a once a year occasion. And once the flowers have wilted and the chocolates have disappeared, you'll still want them to know how much you care. Dare to give a gift that lasts this Valentine's Day with our incredible selection of jewelry. From delicate rose gold to bold black diamonds, Jared has hundreds of pieces under $299 and exclusive collections you won't find anywhere else. Shop online or find a store near you at jared.com and dare to be devoted. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Troy Noons is an Absolute Podcast. This is Syracuse Sports Make Me Drink. For those who have been around a while, you may recall this was the name of this podcast for a good year, maybe a year and a half. Um, we decided that we were going to diversify our offerings under the Troy Noons and Absolute Podcast um, banner. So this is one of the types of shows that you'll be able to see um, or listen to in this case Um Unpeeling Syracuse Basketball is another one that is solely focused on basketball. For those of you that don't like random beer and football talk in your basketball season podcast, this, however, will remain exactly what it's always been, which is a most of the times focused, but sometimes off-topic discussion about Syracuse sports and other uh, various items. Yes, good to be back with the the <laughs> old name, uh, Oh, Dad, it must have been like, what, like 2014, 2015, maybe? Yeah, I think it was like the 2014, like midway through 2015 before we, we went back. But Good it's... to be back under the exact <laughs> same format as we've been doing for weeks. Yeah, and, 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 <laughs> and, you've, been, and you've been complaining about for months. You didn't, and nobody had a problem with it. And that, I mean, I guess the fact that people care enough at this point to complain about it means that, that we've been growing listenership and the numbers actually indicate as much. Oh, I definitely think we're growing listenership because the amount of complaints has substantially <laughs> increased, and I, I, I guess I'm fine with that as a as a, a metric for uh, for you know proof of growth. Yeah, I, I think it's a good proof of growth. I think thank you to producer Lewis for making this a, a, a listenable endeavor after uh, after a while where it was kind of touch and go there. But yeah, we uh, we're, we're 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 back in in. I feel like we moved to like the annex in the backyard, and now we're like back in the main house, or maybe it's the other way around. We're still at the same address. I, I, think, I think it's all the annex in the backyard, <laughs> if we're being if we're being honest. <laughs> Indeed. Um, cool. So now that housekeeping uh, note is out of the way, uh, Syracuse is playing a game right now. We will not be um, watching this thing live. Um, at current, Syracuse is up by six with about five minutes to go in the first half. Um, we'll check in from time to time in case something goes terribly right or terribly wrong. But, uh, yeah, SU is a little bit confusing as always, Dan. Um, I, I'm trying not to take much from the 22 point loss at Virginia Tech, given the fact that there was only, you know, less than 48 hours break between the Miami game and that game. Um, the fact that Jim Beheim even said there really wasn't much time to prep while Vatek had a few days to, to really get ready for us. Um, Vatek's pretty good at home. Um, and, you know, SU just has off nights sometimes. And, you know, maybe we shouldn't necessarily believe everything that we saw, you know, in, in the three previous wins. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm happy to turn the page. Um, and if we beat Boston College, we hopefully beat Pitt. Um, I think we've completely turned the page there. But, uh, but w- w- what's your take on this? Obviously, there's a, there's a few ways to uh, proverbially skin this cat. Yeah, I think it's a disappointing loss when, when it gets away from you like that, especially when it seemed like we had kind of righted the ship early in the second half. We had that comeback to cut it to, I think, is we got as close as eight, and then it kind of fell apart again. Um, I really just came away thinking that Vatek was like the exact wrong team for us to face. Yeah. Um, they are a really up and down team, and I know we we talked about you know maybe flirting with playing a little faster. And I don't know that I'm ready to totally give up on that as like a thing that we should do occasionally. But Virginia Tech's ability to shoot in transition, I think, really really hurt us because um, good shooting teams are always going to give us trouble if they're if they're hot against the zone. Um, teams that shoot well in transition um, doesn't even give the zone a chance to to uh, to set or or become a thing they have to contend with, and that's. Um, and, and it didn't really matter half court, full court, whatever Vatek wanted, it got. So um, we caught a, you know, a top, I mean, I think they're still number 12 uh, after they, I think they lost to Virginia earlier in the week. Um, you know, top 10 to 12 team at home, prime time Saturday night. Uh, probably one of the bigger name opponents they have at home this year. I'm not sure what their ACC breakdown is, but still Syracuse is the name opponent. Um, yeah, so I, I just think it was like a, a really bad, uh, con- you know, 
group of, of factors working against Syracuse in that one. And as long as they continue to play um, like they have in the last, I'd say, 12 minutes of this first half in BC, not to not to do the whole Duke thing again, um, but also like we had been playing earlier, like, you know, this team isn't going to run the table. Um, there are some losses on the schedule, and I think if we were going into that Vatek game, like, that was a pretty likely loss to begin with. It's just a matter of, you know, you don't like to see your team blown out by 25 points or whatever. So, um, yeah, I'm not going to freak out about it, but it, was, it wasn't great. But I also think Vatek is really good. I, I think it's weird to say that because it's not usually a basketball team that we have to worry about. And even last year, um, we handled them at the Dome when they looked pretty solid. Um, but, like, as long as this team bounces back to today and it's pit and gets through this, like, weird stretch of close-together games and road trips and there's a really ugly stretch of ACC uh, play here um, in terms of, like, how the schedule's laid out for us, uh, I think I'll, we'll all be feel a lot better about things. Yeah, yeah, I completely agree. I mean, I, I we're going to talk a little bit about that NCAA tournament um, kind of path that I broke down um, on the blog the other day, but... You know, I, I, I'm not going to sweat losing to Virginia Tech if, if you take care of business against the teams you're supposed to. And there's there's a very tough stretch that, you know, we identified in the offseason that was going to be problematic. Um, and it's one that could really define, you know, whether or not we, we make the NCAA tournament this season. I'm talking about February 13th through uh, February 26th, a uh, stretch where in a matter of 14 days, we face uh, NC State on the road, Louisville, Duke, and North Carolina on the road. Um thought maybe Louisville would end up being a little bit of a respite. Ended up, no, it was not in any way, shape, or form. Um, Louisville's actually been really, really good this year um, and not necessarily the bubble-bound team that they were last season. So that's four straight top 25 games. Um, It shows like why some people are pretty high on Syracuse and the numbers, just because um, a lot of the really high computer metrics that we're going to accumulate are pretty much reserved for that stretch. Um, and if we can even get, I think, two at wins, I think two wins out of four gets us in. I think one win out of four might too, um, as long as we take care of business in the other contests. Yeah, I think the Duke win still carries a lot of weight for us, um, especially being on the road. Uh, that being said, you can't just like lose out all these big games. But if Syracuse takes, you know, does what needs to do against BC and Pitt and does what needs to do against... Um, the second BC game, the Wake game, the Clemson game down the stretch, you pick off like two or three of these other games, and I think we're in in pretty decent position. Um, and that's easier said than done. But like we know the Syracuse team can play up with teams. Like So it's not like we're going to be these massive underdogs in all of these games and its ranked opponents. And it's just a matter of not you know falling behind like crazy, even like we did early tonight, and, and not getting run out of the gym uh, by a hot shooting team. You just need to... to to bear down and, and, and hang with people early and withstand the runs. Um, cause I mean, that's just going to be the whole thing with the ECC. We see it every year. It ends up maybe not being this good, uh, top to bottom, but, um, it's always, you're always going to have a stretch. That's, uh, that's pretty, pretty tough, especially when you have like a Louisville surprising. I think NC state's probably a little better than people thought. Um, that really all came together to make, uh, and then you even just have that weight game in there and then you have UVA obviously. So it's just really, Really difficult, but I think every ACC team is going to have at least something somewhat resembling that run that we have coming up. Right. Yeah, and, and you know, for, for some teams, we are one of those teams that they really kind of look at and go, like, oh, shit. Like, I, I'm not sure, like, we're going to be able to survive this thing. Um, yeah, and that, like a random trip to the Terrier Dome on short rest? Like, that's not easy for anybody. No. And, yeah, so I, I think that, you know, being realistic, like, you know, we serve that role for other people, too. I think... Like right now, looking at how the schedule shapes up, and this is kind of diving into that piece that I wrote the other day. Um, right now, we're five and two. Um, as of this beginning of this recording, we could be six and two at the end of it. Um, you know, a, a realistic path to the tournament. Um, you know, includes wins here at Pitt, FSU, BC, uh, maybe Louisville, um, at Wake, and at Clemson. Um, that only really includes like one major upset. Um, FSU is kind of at parity with us at this point. Um, right now we're two and two in quad quadrant one games, um, according to the net rating. Um, I am kind of iffy though, like about what happens with 11 and seven. I just think that like, if we only win six, like I just spelled out seven wins there. If we only win six, I think 11 and seven, you would think would get you in, in the ACC. But at the same time, like 
given that we double up on teams that aren't necessarily in the top of the conference, um, the fact that like nobody's truly awful in the league this year, but there are numerous teams that are just outside like that top 50 or so range. Um, I do think 11 and seven could require, um, you know, another 11 and seven could require at least one ACC tournament win, considering that an 11, seven, 11 and seven run could be entirely predicated on just like that one quality win, uh, well, one like big, big quality win at Duke. Yeah, it's tough to know if it all goes kind of according to chalk, like you said. Um, I feel I feel like it'd be hard to see an eleven and seven ACC team um, with a win at Duke uh, getting left out, though. Just like removing Syracuse from it, um, and I feel like we're all conditioned to like feel like we're going to be in the bubble every year now because this is how life has gone. But just like if if we were if we were uh, you know NC State and we had that same resume, like. I feel like it'd be weird to, to see them being left out. Um, obviously, the the thing that lurks in the background is a couple of iffy losses but um, from earlier in the season, but even those don't look as bad um, as a lot of like bad non-conference losses can. So um, I feel relatively confident in 11-7, even if it is like that chalky path that you outlined. Um, but I think uh, you're, you're correct in that like 12 is like the magic number. 11 is like... You know, you, you you might feel even if you feel good, it's definitely not a hundred percent. Yeah, because I mean, obviously, like you know, we've been surprised in good and bad ways in recent years. Um, we've been on the bubble for you know the last three seasons, and this might be four straight, um, depending on how the rest of this conference schedule goes. Like, I feel like a lot of people were pretty confident, including experts, were pretty confident. You know, after after we kind of rebounded in. Uh, in 2017 but that said 2017 didn't feature the quality you know wins away from the dome um you know this year we don't have the neutral site wins but we do have you know road wins against notre dame already um who's not like a great win but a good enough win um and then obviously the road wins against duke and ohio state it'll be interesting to see two things this year um a you know how does um how does the tournament committee view um, our time playing without um, Frank Howard and, and and B, how does the committee view um, Duke playing without like you know, arguably two of its three best players in most of that game? Like I, I think that, it, that those are worthwhile conversations, um, and I think that that could be you know something that might downgrade an eleven seven Syracuse team in the ACC if their only big win truly is against Duke. Um. Yeah. I mean, it's a concern. I. I find it hard to. I think the fact that Trey Jones has come back so early right. um, from the injury helps us. Uh, it's all about like, like how granular they're going to get in terms of these injuries. Um, the Frank thing, I think, was was more significant, and we've heard a lot about that. Even if Frank hasn't played up to where we thought he would be heading into the season, um, I feel like I've heard a lot more about that in the talks surrounding Syracuse than I have. Um, even like, oh yeah, Trey Jones, like in the days after the Duke win, like people talked about the Trey Jones thing, but I think that's kind of faded from the background a bit. Um, but you never really know how, how in-depth they're going to go probing with the impact of, of injuries. And it's kind of, it, again, it's like not an exact science anyway. Like I, I think it's pretty fair to say like Duke probably wins that game with Trey Jones, especially how how uh, destructive he was on the defensive end to, to start the game against Frank Howard. But you can't just like, 100% say it, and at the same time, like, if we had a, a healthy Frank against UConn, like, that I could very easily argue that we'd probably win that game, even with how how, uh, how Kerry played. Um, or, you know, Oregon maybe goes slightly differently. Or if Frank was 100% in his ODU, like, that's the one you could swing. So We also um, faced a very different Oregon team. That's who we faced a, a as healthy as Oregon's been all year um, with their best player not out for the season. So... There's a lot of uh, a lot of different things, and and that's what makes this so hard to probe. So I think you, when you take it from like a macro lens, I'm a little less concerned about things than like going and fine tooth combing everything. Um, especially when I think it's also easier to look at Syracuse and talk about the Frank Howard injury than it is to talk about like the single game injuries that they didn't have to or that that benefited them uh, or didn't benefit them going forward from the opposition. Like, I think then when you're doing that, like you're going so far in the weeds on everything. And it's easy for us to do that as Syracuse fans looking at our team versus a committee that has to look for us at 68 different teams and see them correctly. Yeah. And, and obviously, you know, a lot of that just depends on like how close you really are to the line. Like if you're not that close to the line, just looking at the regular numbers, you probably don't bother 
like digging in that far. If you're one of the last four in, yeah, sure. That that, that becomes a, a main point of discussion. So, right, and then because that's where you're doing like you're doing as far in on comparisons and team versus team um, versus like if we're an eight seed, like yeah, whatever. The, the, yeah this like, doesn't matter. And <laughs> like if we're an eight and then we we get screwed, we should have been a seven, or we get ben- we get help, we should have been a nine. Like I'm not gonna like lose my mind over that. Right. Yeah, I, I completely agree. I think I think th- this only becomes a conversation point if you're if you're on that bubble, like very much on that bubble. Um, versus again, like I, I'd say, if you're a ten seater lower, this becomes a point of conversation. If you're not, then this just becomes the difference between you know what what region you're in, or maybe like an eight versus a nine. So let's let, let's hope for that over over the alternative. Right. Actually, the seven versus the eight is probably like the biggest thing because I do think there's a a pretty big gap in terms of uh, the top. Well, maybe not a big a gap, but there's there's a I think there's a definite difference between like your good one seed versus like your mediocre two seed. I think there's a, a big cliff after the top six or so. So maybe that's a thing that we we can find some bone of contention with. But even then, like I think you're really if you're arguing between sevens and eights, like I know there's an impact, but um, it's hard to like really get too worked up about it. Yeah, I, I do agree there, and I think we'll uh, we'll maybe look at a little bracketology uh, later on in this episode, uh, maybe towards the finish. As we uh, just kind of talk through brackets, I know brackets have uh, brackets already started being tossed around. SU's been an eight or a nine seed in a lot of the most recent iterations. It hasn't um, moved up, I think, in a lot of the most recent ones, even despite the Virginia Tech loss. I think it adds to the strength of schedule, if nothing else. Yeah, it's like rounding out our resume in weird ways, despite the the bad one performance. Yeah, that and like ODU keeps getting getting it done, which helps us um, after that surprising loss. Buffalo's still Buffalo's been pretty good. A top, yeah, they're gonna be like a top six seed, probably. Yeah, so like th- th- things like that are good. Obviously, Duke keeps winning. You know that's fine. We're 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 rooting for Miami to a certain extent. Um, the rest of the way, Pittsburgh isn't as bad as they were last year by any means, and their numbers like right now, if we beat them at Pitt, that's a that's a quad one win. So, so there, there's a lot to there's a lot still out there for us, and there's a lot of things potentially going our way and again it's like as long as teams like ohio state continue to do well if uconn doesn't like completely fall off a cliff we'll see like again there's there's a lot of things not in our control but there's a lot of things in our control and that starts with you know if you you can get to the 12 win mark um you, you are definitively and if you get to 11 you're looking okay you get to 10 if you're a 10 now i'm concerned um but you know we don't have to dive into that 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 whole you know, world world of hypotheticals necessarily, and that's uh, probably an article somewhere. Oh yeah, that, that that's absolutely. I mean, and something I like started hitting on in uh in that piece too, where I said like once you get to once you get to eleven, you're like probably in. You get to ten though, you're like let's. There were a couple of people in the comments that were saying that they were even safe at nine and nine. I think we are very much screwed at nine and nine. No, if we had done, if we didn't have the ODU or the buff, we had like beaten Buffalo. Yeah, then you'd probably be or, fine. If we had like sweat, you know, only one non-conference loss, then nine and nine would look a lot different than what we we came in pretty handicapped, and we've done a decent job of working our way out of that pit. Um, but we're not there yet because, like, while none of our losses look horrible, you cannot four non-conference losses isn't great if they're not, especially if you're not doing like the Duke thing or the Michigan State team thing where you're playing like, you know, half of the other blue bloods in the country to start the year. That's when you can like survive a four loss non conference, not ODU, UConn, Oregon, and Buffalo. Even if it's you know some of those teams are you know better than they they probably looked on paper, or you know Oregon obviously has mitigating circumstances. Um, but yeah, so I, I think you know it's it's not a time to worry yet. It's still January, and the nice thing about the ACC is it presents you so many opportunities for big wins, like every week, pretty much. Um, I do think this is like top to bottom the best of the league has been since uh, we joined. Um, yeah, we, we, they, I mean, yeah, like Wake isn't even complete. Like Wake's not a crater. They, I mean, they're not good, but they're not a crater, which is like no, the first for this like, league since we've been here. Wake's probably the best, like w- the best worst ACC team we've had in a while. I, I, I would, I would reckon. I'd have to go back and look, but um, Notre Dame obviously is is a lot better than their record. Um, they've had injury issues. Miami got stupid by the NCAA. They're a lot better than their, than their record. Um, I mean, Clemson, Clemson looked good last night. BC's two and four, but they're pretty salty. Pitt like competes every week, uh, every time they play. So, 
Um, Georgia Tech, I think, is a lot better than we thought, even when we lost to them. Like, I think they've actually um, made that look less bad in how they've played recently. So it's uh, I don't think it's as top-heavy as it's been some years, even though Virginia and Duke are probably both one seeds. But, like, 1 through 15, it's really – there's no, like – pencil pencil it in game at, at all which uh has its benefits it, it doesn't help like in terms of not having a heart attack every game um but it does help in terms of like you know when that wake forest game rolls around it's not going to like kill our numbers yeah no i, I completely agree yeah, we don't i mean bc has been this problem in recent years um wake has to some extent georgia tech has to some extent it's not the case this year um speaking of some of these games like against like the middling teams like even florida state who's kind of like fallen off from the early year highs you can you can get two dollar tickets to that game at the dome on february 5th you can also get three dollar tickets to the game at wake forest on march 2nd that's uh that's something people up there should definitely take advantage of go to the dome yeah. like what are we doing go to the dome and then for people in north carolina go to that game at winston-salem i mean it's not like the dome where like like if you're like a three dollar ticket at winston-salem is probably going to be like a pretty good seat yeah it's a relatively it's like you know your normal your normal uh college basketball arena that isn't a football stadium um there are not i haven't actually been to a game for there for basketball but it looks like a pretty solid you know standard mid-level ac arena you're probably going to get a pretty good ticket and if you spend like 20 bucks you'll probably be in like the first level yeah um we're not at halftime for us yet but some halftime notes um Syracuse is up 42 to 35. They're shooting 50% from three, 63% from the field. Knock on wood, they can keep something like that going. Uh, <laughs> they are out rebounding 11 to 9. Um, there's not the a whole lot of misses in the game is they're also shooting well. Like They're shooting well, and they're also getting free throw opportunities. Yeah, and they came out hot. They were up 10 to 2 to start. Syracuse surged back now as a seven point lead. So it's been pretty much all SU since the first like five minutes of the game, but BC continues to, to hit some shots. Um, uh, I will say something that we can like talk about uh, in terms of like more than just this one game that people already know the result of. Um, Buddy Beheim is uh, is legit. <laughs> he eight eight really points good. at half. Two threes. Uh, he hit back to back. He's just like I don't think he's going to ever to a point where we can just like leave him out there for twenty minutes. I don't think that's what he's there for. But in terms of if, the fact that he can step into a game and doesn't need to. Uh, find his rhythm like he seemed to need earlier in the year and that he can step in and shoot and make shots. Like, you can put him in for 10 minutes and it just totally disrupts what a defense is doing because he's such a different player than what we have. Obviously, Elijah's a really good catch-and-shoot player too, but when you have both of them in there, it becomes a real issue. And if someone tries to zone us, uh, we saw this with Miami. Um, shout out to the Miami blog who made jokes about the zone and after getting blown out playing his own. <laughs> I was so confused by that. Um Weird yeah. flex, but okay. Yeah, seriously. Making fun of the 2-3. It's like, yeah, you guys played 2-3 and lost by, what, 20 points? <laughs> like, okay. Um, yeah, so, but the fact that, like, we have a zone buster that we can insert into the game for 10 minutes, um, even if it's 10 minutes total, and he can hit a couple shots and completely disrupt what you're trying to do to, to, to set us off on defense, um, is a game changer. It's not something we've really had. And Elijah's the same way. Obviously, he's a bit more well-rounded. He brings a lot of things on defense. He can store from all all levels. But the fact that we have someone in the starting lineup who can shoot forty percent from three is someone we haven't really had since that team that missed the tournament with uh, um, with Andrew White. Like, and, and I think Hughes is a better pure shooter than him, even. Yeah, I, I would agree. I, I think that you know, for Buddy, I mean, the the, the main concern is going to be defense. Um, I think that's something that he'll grow into. It's probably not going to be this year. Um, but it's something that he can figure out over time. Really, I don't mind a team that looks like this one. Again, trying to avoid as much of the like in-the-moment talk as possible about this game. Um, I don't mind games where you have five guys who have scored at least six points um, in the first half. Like That's pretty good. Um, while I, 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 like, I enjoy watching like game takeover battle, I'd much rather watch 15-7 and seven battle and, and and have everybody else scoring somewhere in like the you know seven to twelve point range. Fifteen and seven battle probably means the team is winning like right. by a decent amount. Um, especially like that's what he had. Was it the Miami game where he had like ten and nine, which yeah. was such a weird stat line for him? But he just like didn't need it. And we we know we can have we know thirty point battles there. Like he's we know he can take over a game. He knows how to be the ball dominant player when he needs to be, and he I can identify when the team needs him to do that. 
But I, I also I feel a lot better about things when everyone's contributing, everyone's getting in a rhythm. Um, and it seems like we kind of got that going midway through this first half. Um, Marek had a nice three. Buddy obviously came in. Um, Frank has looked he had he was really sloppy to start. He had a couple bad turnovers, uh, but now he is four for six from the field. He had a three early, um, and then Tyus leading the way with ten, but not like a you know four for seven, not really forcing things yet. So um, O'Shea perfect from the floor uh, hasn't really stored. He was like the first out of it going. So hopefully we get more of a efficient uh, O'Shea showing today because he continues to kind of be the guy that. I know he was better in this Virginia Tech than everyone else, pretty much, but often he is kind of the guy who sets the tone for what the game will be for Syracuse. Yeah, I would definitely agree with that. Um, I, I think, you know, looking at this team right now, I, I'm, I'm just excited. I, 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 we've said this for weeks now. I feel like I'm excited for their ceiling because I feel like their ceiling is much higher than last year's. I feel like it's higher than the 2017 teams. I don't think it's higher than the 2016 teams. But uh, nonetheless, I, I think that they're that you know you identified a couple big traits here of you know things to look out for in, in a good win. I think that um, really the only thing that you look for in like what's a bad loss look like it's when SU just starts chucking. Like I think the Virginia Tech game was a key um, you know example of that. Where oh you know what happens when. Uh, this team, like what happens to this team tries to keep up with, with, with a team just jacking up threes. And like what the difference between the Virginia Tech game and the Duke game perhaps was that while SU was hitting threes against Duke and, and they were putting up quite a few against Virginia Tech too, um, they also drove the lane quite a bit. Um, and, and that's just something that they, they refused to do right from the get-go against the Hokies and it showed uh, very quickly in, in what ended up being like a pretty thorough collapse in the first half. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, oh, sorry, I just totally lost my train of thought. Um, no, I, I agree, though. I, I think uh, you saw, like, you saw things that could go well in that game, and it, I think I think Virginia Tech just was so red hot that it, it there was not much you could do with how, how they shot the ball. Like, ultimately, if a team is going to go and just barrage you with threes the way they did, and a lot of them, like, were open, but, but there were some that they just were, I mean, Robinson was hitting from wherever he wanted and had an all-time game for them. At the end of the day, when someone's going to have a superstar performance like that, there's only so much you can do. Agreed, agreed. Uh, Before we hit halftime, just a couple notes on some other halftimes that we're seeing here. Uh, We said Wake wasn't that bad. Wake's down 23 to Louisville (laughs) at halftime, and Villanova's getting tested by DePaul, and I would very much love to see the Wildcats go down to, uh, to the Blue Demons. Yeah, Villanova just hasn't been great this year. I, I don't expect a lot from them. They're getting the benefit March. of the doubt, though. They were 14th again. I saw that, which is weird. Like, it feels like they were, like, totally down and out, and they've kind of just risen back by default. Yeah, just, like, be, like, out of boredom, because there's only, like, 10 good teams this year. Yeah, pretty much. Which, whatever. That, 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 that might be Syracuse's music. <laughs> yeah. Put us in. You know, you know we're a good time. Yeah, you know we're a good time. We'll piss you off for at least like two or three games. Like it's fine. I love. I I don't know if we want to talk about bracketology, but I'm going to bring we it up for a minute. Um, I love what Lenardi did with his most recent one. Oh yeah, <laughs> Put, putting us up against Washington, and, and then Michigan State Michigan is the one State. seed. Come and, on. Well, at this point, like he doesn't even give a shit. Like he honestly just like he puts in like interesting matchups, but like that are like conceivable, and and just says like let let's just see what happens here. Yeah, I mean it's it's super funny. Um, uh, actually, like, and I would take that, especially Michigan State. I think officially lost. I don't, I don't think I know. Um, officially lost um, Langford for the for the year. So I know he's been out for a while now, but um, he is out for the year with what I guess stress fracture in his foot or something. Stress some a stress related injury in his foot, and he's been out for a couple weeks now. So that's you know the third leading scorer for the season uh, done for the year. So I, I do think Michigan State would be a you know, not the worst strike you get as a number one seed if you're an eight or a nine. I feel like for me, watching Syracuse basketball is a stress-related injury. Yes, just like 100%. just like at all times. <laughs> Please, that is the new the new sub uh, header for the or subtitle for the podcast. Yeah. Please come back, uh, two thousand nine to to two thousand thirteen Syracuse. College days. There were better times. 
those the, those those days were a blast. I mean, well, for me, the first two years sucked, but the the rest of it was great. And yeah, until like 2013, it was pretty awesome. So uh, yeah, let's go back to that because I had a lot more fun. Uh, I mean, I had I've had a lot of fun crashing Final Fours and Sweet Sixteens and stuff, but I definitely want to go back to like just not having to worry about bubble nonsense and just kind of moving on to uh, to like. Oh, so who are we facing in the NCAA tournament? Not like, are we even going to get there? Yeah, having to worry about like as a top three seed, like, oh, what's this? What's the matchup that we have to worry about from these pesky, pesky Montana you know, Grizzlies? Right. Versus having to worry about playing Hop in the first round, which Christ. would be like a uh, a million Spider-Man memes. Um, yeah. B. Also, uh, if also if we lost, I, I I would just shut the site down for a day. Because I wouldn't oh, want to be any—I uh, wouldn't want to be anywhere be, near the comment section. I would—I would log off Twitter. I—I I wouldn't want to be anywhere near the takes. We'd have to—we'd have to pull an Ashley Feinberg and tell Jack Dorsey to take Twitter <laughs> to delete Twitter. <laughs> Ashley Feinberg's uh, fun bag replacement this week was great. Yes. We—we—we we, we, we don't get into politics here as a rule. Weirdly uh, informative too. We're weirdly informative as well. But. Heavily entertaining. Um, yeah, I also feel like, it, it, as a programming side note, that we're starting to, uh, because of the uh, the like sort of paywall that Syracuse.com is going with, we're starting to get like uh, we're starting to catch some strays. Yeah, uh, it's. <laughs> I don't want to. I, I fully support the guys over at Syracuse.com. They do amazing oh, yeah, work. They're and great. A lot of people subscribe. It is expensive. <laughs> it's it's it, yeah. It's kind of pricey. Uh, I, I, I get really it. Hope- I get it though. I get it, and I subscribe to the Times and the Post, so like I would love to subscribe to Syracuse.com. I can't really justify the like twenty a month personally as someone who does not live in Syracuse. I would love for them to do like a five dollars like, sports dollar only. a month sports only. I would be I they could put me down right now, um, but yeah, and I hope that's not to discourage anyone from subscribing, especially if you're in Syracuse. Like they, I think they do. I mean, so as someone who reads a lot of local sports coverage for work. Um, I think Syracuse.com is like up there with any of the other uh, like major college, um, major college uh, like coverage teams. I, th- so, I think they cover better than like a bunch of like bigger college teams, to be honest. Like, and this isn't like to go like navel gazing on media, but like I mean, the work that Stephen Bailey does with recruiting, the fact that Mike Waters won the like New York Sports Writer Award uh, this past year, and like Mike and Donna do such a bang up job. Chris Carlson covers everything from like a like a high level um, that like really doesn't get enough credit for what it is. Obviously, you know the work that Nate does on the ground uh, with the football team too, like goes underappreciated, like beyond the walls of like Syracuse fandom. And then you know like what Brent does, um, you know, really engaging with everyone digitally um, is the the the, the tire. And I'm missing people in there too, but but I feel like. You know, the, the group that covers football and basketball in particular, like, just, you know, does a lot of thankless work that, that I would like to thank. Um, and uh, <laughs> we only brought all this up because what it's done is for the paywall, again, please do a sports-only paywall. Um, I, I would I will gladly be on board there. I already, already pay for a few different um, things, so I'm happy to pay for that too. But it, it's causing... The, the usual dregs of the Syracuse.com comments, which are very, very different than Syracuse.com content, um, end up in our comments somehow because we're free. So that's that's led to some interesting interactions. We will take the clicks. We'll take the clicks. Um, <laughs> but the conversations are getting a little out of hand sometimes. Yes. I, I definitely not. I don't wait into the comments as often as you do. I basically check to see, like, you know, stuff, conversations I'm interested in, but I have noticed that. There are definitely new faces. Which is welcome and also not always the best. Yeah, I, uh, I, I I like new voices. I don't love the just like trolley. Uh, Beheim never should like Beheim should have retired to Hopkins to take over. Oh my God, we missed out on the three star center. Guess Syracuse basketball is screwed. Like that, <laughs> <laughs> you know, th- 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 that sort of stuff. Yeah, it's not the greatest. Uh, um, I, I could definitely do with that. I, I honestly don't know how or why I have as much time in the comments. I feel like I just was so used to it when I w- wasn't on staff, and then I was still in there 
when I started on staff to just like start like throwing bows and I never stopped. I really should have transitioned out of this behavior by this point. (laughs) (laughs) I've been working for this goddamn site for like eight years. And yeah, I, I'm still, I'm still, I'm still in the trenches for some reason. <laughs> Sometimes, I mean, everyone's it, it's kind of Stockholm syndrome, I think, at this point. No, it is. I, I like endorse like a come at me, bro, style of commenting like early on, <laughs> and then just like never stopped. <laughs> Even like when my name was on the door, like and I just like never like thought like eh, I don't have to do this anymore. Yes, you are our resident Stan Marsh. That's fine. Oh, stab. Stab. Um, anyway. Um, so, drinking, uh, since that's the uh, the theme of this podcast once again. Oh, right. I should sign in untapped. Yeah, I, uh, I've had the tab open for half an hour. I'm, I'm going to need you to carry us on this one, because I, all I did was drink the rest of that uh, that variety pack from Firestone. So, Easy oh, Jack. Oh, some stuff. Yes. Uh, um, you, you can go first, then. Uh, not a ton, but I did have some. Um, I had a Daddy Warbucks from Barrier, which is uh, a very drinkable, very flavorful double IPA from them, Barrier over in Queens. Um, actually, no, they're in Oceanside, they're in Long Island. Uh, I mixed them up with the litany of LIC breweries. Um, they do pretty good work overall, uh, and they get into the city a lot. Are all their beers named after city. characters from Annie? Because if so, I- I'd like to invest. I don't think all of them are. This one definitely is. <laughs> um, and this was like a very... Uh, I wouldn't say very juicy, just very, very flavorful uh, double, which I really enjoyed. Uh, I also had the Cat's Meow from Exhibit A, which I think is the first thing from Exhibit A I've had, um, which is a Framingham Mass brewery. Uh, this was uh, definitely a more of a juicy uh, New England-style um, IPA. And then I had uh, more of the stuff in my fridge, the... the the Crawling, the All Days, the Captain's Daughters that I've been drinking for months now because I can't ever quite finish all of them. Um, but yeah, definitely the, the Barrier and the uh, Exhibit A, both very good. Good to know. Um, on my end, like I said, pretty uh, pretty like inconsequential week. Uh, I've had some more Firestone Lager as a, as a new-ish still dad. It's just kind of a, a nice one to have around, like... You know, if you're looking out for your kid, you could be waking up in the middle of the night and having to, like, pick them up. You never want to have too many. So <laughs> what I found is, that, like, if I want to have, like, a longer night of drinking, then I'm just drinking Firestone Lager um, and just kind of drinking that. And it's a very good, very good beer to just have around the fridge. Be- beers to raise your kids with. Yeah, exactly. I should write a book about this. <laughs> Note to hashtag, self. Hashtag dad beers. Hashtag dad beers. Um, also had some Union Jack and some Easy Jack. Um, Easy Jack, interestingly, changed their uh, recipe to be, I think it was 4.5%, now it's 4%, um, which is fine by me. If you're going to have like a sessionable type uh, type brew, might as well make it a little bit, bit less alcoholic. Yeah, I think, session, I think sessions are, are completely underrated. They have a very strong... The fact that... They, that we are, we are seeing more sessions is fully welcome because I think that's a very legitimate part of the marketplace that people should exploit more. Not that I don't appreciate that all day is everywhere now because that's a, oh, yeah. a great beer. Um, but I, I fully welcome more like four and a half, five percent IPAs. Um, they do have their place. Yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll fully welcome that. I think, um, I'm trying to think who else makes them like, I haven't had sessions as much lately, but like easy Jack, super good. Um, Pizza Port's uh, Ponto is super good, but it only gets out. It doesn't really leave Southern California. Um, I've been drinking a lot more uh, lagers and uh, like craft pilsners lately, um, which are legit. Uh, I didn't. Ma- I don't know if I mentioned this the other day, um, like when I was at Modern Times a couple weeks ago. Um, they had a porter that was like two point three percent, but was like hmm. one of the more flavorful porters I've had in a while. I was very impressed. That's super. I was like, wonder how they get it that low. Yeah, I, I, I was, I was very, <laughs> very impressed. So, uh, shout out to Modern Times for, uh, for, for doing the unthinkable. Um, I'm actually headed to Salt Lake in June, and uh, one of the things I, I like to do in Utah is like, they can't brew uh, beer on site like under four, like over four percent, I believe, is the rule. 
And it's actually like an interesting challenge for, for local breweries to do it. And, and they actually find a lot of success. So I'm uh, looking forward to uh, revisiting that challenge to see like what um, what the local breweries are able to do with, with, with limited options in terms of ABV. Yeah, and this is more uh, more dad beers. More dad beers. Um, <laughs> anyway, moving back on to sports. Um, quick conversation that uh, I know you and I kind of alluded to on Twitter and elsewhere. Um, is it smart for Syracuse to stack every single reason why you'd attend a game into one weekend uh, for football? I'm referring to homecoming being moved to the Clemson game. Dan, you can go first since I've already put my thoughts in a 700-word article. Um, I'm kind of of both minds with it. I think the fact that we haven't sold out a game in so long and it's we it's shaping up to like where we can get plums in there, I think. I understand the push for it, and I think you can really blow out that weekend and make it a huge thing. Um, I, I think there is a there's reason to want to do that and I get the the push for it. Um, I do think it's also there's also the very valid argument that like Clemson was already gonna be a big game. I don't know like I don't know how much over the top we're gonna put it by moving all these things onto the one weekend versus um, just letting things play out game day being there is not gonna be impacted by homecoming or not homecoming. Um, I actually can't remember game day ever being there for home for a homecoming game or anywhere for a homecoming game, which is Interesting. So maybe maybe they would think that was cool, but like I think they would just. I don't think they're going to pick it because of that. Um, they're going to pick it because of Wild Hack, mostly. Wild Hack and the fact that it's just like there aren't that many great games that weekend, and because I think there's a very good chance that they go to Texas the week before and not Clemson. So um, yeah, I, I think I, I, I don't hate it. I just I understand the arguments on both sides here. Uh, not to like be boring and not come out with like a take it's just like i i think it would be cool to be in the dome for a sold out game i also think that this might push more season ticket sales because i think my plan and not to spoil it for myself but like i, I think it's kind of dumb to buy a single game ticket for clemson for probably like half to two-thirds of what a season ticket will cost when you can just like hopefully flip the rest if you can't make them or find people to go um so i do think that there is an argument there that like by making Clemson such a hard ticket, with that being the game that everyone's going to want to go to, you might end up pushing more season ticket sales, and maybe, you know, if people have a good experience at Clemson, it drives more people in the seats for the rest of the games anyway. Um, versus, like, if you have your normal, like, 45,000 people, you know, they, the game's kind of tight, then it's like, still kind of feels like a game we've had recently. Um, that being said, I, I think, you know, you are losing out a couple thousand for, home, for, for Holy Cross, but uh, I don't know. I, I struggled to get super worked up about how many people are showing up to our FCS game. Um, but you could have also done it for like a pit or for uh, one of these other. I, I don't know. Do we have pit at home? I thought we did. We have pit um, at home. It's a Friday. And I think it's okay, Parents so Weekend already. Okay, so you couldn't do that one, but you could have done it for another game. But really, like because we open up twice on the road, and because the only other non-conference, like there aren't that many super like easily winnable games. I mean, I guess you could have done Wake, maybe. Um, well, that's like the last game. Yeah, and so, like, really, the homecoming, like, options were kind of limited as is. Right. Um, so I, I get it. It's not, like, my favorite thing they've ever done, but I don't hate it as much as some people seem to or think it's, like, the dumbest thing ever. I think there is there is something to say to, like, let's make a really big event around Syracuse football and, like, kind of like a celebration of like a how last season went uh, and hopefully a 2-0 start to next season um and also showing like all right we're back like we're going to be a thing that people are coming out for let's like open it up with this giant event with number one clumps in town yeah I, I mean i i buy that like i i definitely understand the thinking there i think my 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 main pushback um is just like Usually, and I said this in the article, usually like the home opener, the ACC opener, the homecoming game, and a potential game day spot are four different big events that you'd be able to get people to. And instead, they're all one weekend. And I guess I just worry that like if we somehow get, well, we could very well get blown out at Clemson, against Clemson, that hurts attendance for the rest of the year. Um, even if, you know, we end up doing, you know, eight, nine wins again this coming year. 
Like, I, I think that's the, that, that, that's the one big concern for me is like, it takes the wind out of our sails early and then there's nothing else to really get people on campus for. And you pretty much boil the entire season down to, to you know, a single game. Because realistically, like, again, as much as I endorse quality, like endorsing scheduling wins, like Western Michigan and Holy Cross aren't getting people in the door. That's fine. But then like the conference schedule in odd years also kind of like, despite the fact that it includes several familiar opponents, it doesn't get people in the door other than the Clemson game. Um, our fans are weird. They have some sort of Stockholm syndrome. I don't really know what it is. Um, but they, they, they only want to see they only want to see us beat good teams all the time. And they don't want to see us win games, even if it's against bad teams, even if it's against familiar teams. Um, in the odd years, as people might be familiar with by this point, um, Syracuse will face uh, Clemson every year, as well as Pitt, Wake, and Boston College in the ACC schedule. Um, for some reason, despite the fact that we've had a lot of fun games at Wake, despite the fact that we face Pitt every single year since like 1955, the fact that BC is our like, oldest current rival, um, none of these things matter to anybody for some reason. Um, BC's not even Thanksgiving weekend, so there's even a bigger reason why it should be a bigger crowd. But yeah, I think uh, for some reason, uh, a, a, lo- a big loss against Clemson is going to stop anyone from wanting to go to any of those other games, and that's unfortunate. Yeah, you hope that's not the case, because eventually the goal is for people to be showing up to watch Syracuse and not watch Syracuse's opponent while rooting for Syracuse. So um, yeah, it's and, and these are problems that aren't going to be solved by like one game. I also wonder... I, I do. I would love to see the numbers, and I, I know it's not obvious. There's no obvious way to do it because schedules change and games aren't even in the same place every year. I would love to see, like, if someone could crunch the numbers to like show how much of a bump annually the homecoming game is, how much of a bump season opener, and honestly, recently season opener has not been a bump at all because it's up and in so many things. Hence, the start the se- home season later um, push. Um, ACC opener, I don't honestly think matters that much. Um, but I would love to see like the numbers in terms of how much these things matter. Parents Week is another one uh, on a year-over-year basis, and how much we are losing from these other games. Like, is it like a couple thousand? Is it like actually like maybe a couple hundred in some spots? Um, does it, you know, what kind of impact does it have playing this kind of opponent versus that kind of opponent? Um, I think like. Comparing Syracuse's scheduling compared to like a, a big time like SEC opponent like program where they're gonna put home from against a, a weak opponent because that's like the one game that might not sell out uh, maybe isn't like the most logical thing when we have trouble drawing against pretty much everyone except for like Clemson or the weird LSU series. So yeah, it's uh it's definitely interesting. I look forward to being up there. I will make every effort to, to the dome for that one. Um, but it is going to be interesting having all these things on top of each other. Um, and it probably could have been done a little more gracefully since we... I know it wasn't, like, officially scheduled before that, but we all kind of knew when Homecoming was going to be, and they, they pretty clearly changed it. Yeah, pretty clearly changed it, and pretty clearly changed it, like, literally, like, two weeks after the schedule was announced. Yes, and also they kind of changed it because Clemson won the national title, it seems like, which... Clemson was going to be good no matter what. They were so, either going to be the team that lost the national title game or the team that won the national title game. Right. So <laughs> I don't really understand the reasoning here. Either way, it was done in a very Syracuse fashion. And for that, um, you know, I, we I, we probably could have guessed this might be a thing. <laughs> agreed, agreed. Um, got about 10 minutes or so left here. So with the rest of that, a little bracketology action. Um, I think we're going to use um, the SB Nation bracketology. So not getting that uh, that vaunted Washington matchup. But, Dan, I'll give you a sec to pull it up since I gave you no warning about this. I already had it. Boom. Look at that. We're, we're, we're giving love to, to, to our fellow SB Nation uh, writers. So, quick... Uh, this is actually better because I feel like it's much easier to see everything on the same screen. Um... So looking first at the East region, which winds up in Washington, D.C. Um, Duke is the one seed there. Kentucky's the two. Um, Marquette is the three. And the four is Purdue. Uh, Dan, who's your uh, Elite Eight? Um, out of the East only? Yeah. Well, yeah, like who's your Elite Eight matchup out at, at, at of the East here? Um, I'm going to go... 
I'm going to be boring. I'm just doing Duke, uh, Duke, Kentucky. I just think Kentucky's been playing super, super well um, defensively. I think they're a real, real pain. Uh, they've improved a lot. I'm not buying Marquette quite yet. I haven't seen enough of them. Oklahoma, I'm, I think it's kind of a week six. Um, Give me Wofford over Villanova. Ooh, I kind of like that. I kind of like Wofford over Villanova. Wofford's been very, very. I mean, they, they, uh, the ten seed, the twelve seed might be low for them. Yeah. I, I, um, I can see them playing themselves up based on whatever happens on uh, championship week. Yeah, and then Duke, I think, is just a lot better than all the other teams in the top part of of this bracket. I, I know Purdue has some has some guys, and Villanova obviously has a pedigree. Um, if they make it past those those uh, salty terriers, but um, no, I like Duke, Kentucky. I think I feel pretty good about that. Agreed. Um, yeah, I'll entertain Duke, Kentucky here. Um, I think Duke takes it in the uh, in that regional final. I assume you agree. Uh, I tend to. Um, Kentucky's been really impressive, honestly, and I don't know who they put on Zion. Obviously, RJ could, could take over a game, um, but like it wouldn't it wouldn't shock me if Kentucky won that game. That's um, fair because they've only improved uh, during the season. Um, and I'm not totally sold on Duke winning a title this year. Uh, I think Duke's very good. Uh, I think there's been a dearth of other really good teams in college basketball this year, but I don't think this is a great Duke team relative to, like, history. Um, I think they uh, we, we beat them, <laughs> and we're not great. Um, but I think that, like, our game and a couple other games they've had have exposed some issues for them. So um, I'm, I would say I wouldn't rule it out, uh, and I'd probably take Duke in an edge in Kentucky right now, but um, I... Don't think I'll be picking Duke, at least at this point. Like, if, if things ended today, I don't think I would be picking Duke to win at all. No, I don't think I would either. I think that this bracket sucks. <laughs> I think that the only the only team that even challenges them in this in this entire region is Kentucky. Um, just because I don't buy Purdue, I think Villanova could easily lose to Wofford. Um, and, yeah, I don't buy really anybody else. So I, I think it just comes down to them in Kentucky. I'm going to buy into them for now. Yeah, that's where I'm, I'm. I'm fine with that. I think that's a kind of a close to a toss-up. And I know they played earlier this year. Kentucky is a much, much better team than they were in November, whenever that game was. I completely agree. Um, on to the uh, the West region, which is considered the four here. Um, it ends in Anaheim, so I'm secretly hoping that Syracuse ends up out here. Um, the last time I think we were in the West region was 2013. I believe so, yeah. We played Montana in, like, San Jose, I think, or something weird. Yeah, that worked out well. Um, so, looking at the bracket here, just for the listeners at home, got Tennessee as the one, Gonzaga as the two, um, Maryland is the three, Louisville is the four. Um, I'll go first this time, and then we can kind of level set from there. Um, I think there is a lot of chance for upset here. To be honest, give me NC State over Tennessee. Um, I'll take Louisville getting themselves to the Elite Eight on that side. Um, although Hofstra is kind of pesky and could be a sleeper pick. Um, they got a very winnable game at Iowa State there. Um, on the other end of things, give me... I, I, I'm seeing a, a Zags-Buffalo game. I... Uh, I'll take the Zags over Louisville, though, um, getting out of this for the uh, to get to the Final Four. This is a really tough. This might be the toughest region. This is fun um, as hell, though. Like every single yeah. matchup is fun as hell. Really, really fun teams. Um, Tennessee, NC State would be fun. Uh, I think NC State might end up being higher than that by the time we get. Like the fact that NC State's like an eight seed right now. Like it's a, this this like whole thing. I think the ones are relatively strong. I think the two threes are not that strong, but I think the middle uh, seeds are going to be stronger than usual. I think there's like not a huge gap between like a three and a six this year. Yeah, which um, is which is is a bad sign for the threes. Yeah, Iowa State. I feel like I mean right now they're favored to win the Big Twelve. Kansas is kind of free falling. Um, I don't know if Iowa State's that good. I think the Big Twelve might be kind of a mess. Um, Louisville looks really really good. Uh, if this was Patino's Louisville. I would take them in a heartbeat. Um, and not that I'm doubting uh, the Cardinals this year. Um, it's just I don't feel as comfortable with them as like an NCAA tournament, you know, commodity. 
Uh, and I think Tennessee's legit. I, I think it's hard to find a better twosome than Grant Williams and Adam Schofield. Um, it, they're super fun. Grant Williams is an absolute monster. He got to the line. I think it was uh, – what game was it? Tennessee uh, played the other day, and he was 23 for 23 from the line and scored like 43 points. Like, that's absurd. Um, Buffalo, Gonzaga uh, would be a, a ton of fun. I like the Zags. Um in that hypothetical, I think I'm going with a boring Tennessee Gonzaga, but I'm I'm letting everyone know that I'm well aware that like Iowa State, Louisville, Buffalo, Maryland uh, could all be even Cincinnati could to throw some some rocks somewhere could all be very involved in this. Um, that being said, I will take Tennessee, um, but I'm not trying to be boring. I just really like this Tennessee team. Fair enough. I like this Tennessee team. I just think that this bracket is way too dangerous. There's just too many teams on there. So I'd like. I honestly think that anyone except for Radford and and the two sixteen seeds like could challenge Tennessee and like mess with them a little bit. It's an absolute minefield. Yeah, absolutely. That's minefield. gonna be the if, if this was to play out this way, this would be the the region that everyone looks at their bracket after the first weekend and just like I I don't know <laughs> like what did, I don't know what we were ever supposed to do here. Yeah, honestly, like even like if you're looking for a three fourteen upset, like. I I would take Mason over uh, over Maryland here. Yeah, Maryland's been very suspect. I think. Yeah, they uh, they lost the other day, I believe. Um, yeah, give me give me the Zags out of that region. Um, as much as I, I I mean noted Zags hater for many many years since this podcast was last called Syracuse Sports Make Me Drink. Yep. Um, moving on to the South based in Louisville, uh, the top four seeds for those listening at home, Virginia, Michigan, Texas Tech, and Virginia Tech. Um, I don't love this. I don't think they would do this, setting up a potential Sweet 16 matchup between Virginia and Virginia Tech. Um, I also think Virginia Tech might be a three seed. And I think I, Nevada can still rise again. Like I, I I think like they have obviously had some weird, weird results, and they had that one really bad loss in semester. Oh, bam, it's losing his mind. Um, yeah, I don't have Twitter open. I don't know if he's about to teed up, but jacket's off. He's yelling, pausing the game. Oh, and uh, ESPN booted me up. <laughs> um, yeah. So in this bracket, um, ooh, Virginia, the Virginia Virginia Tech thing is tough. Obviously, I think UVA. Oh, we almost had a fight. Just like that football game against Boston College a few years ago. Uh, um, yeah, I, I, UVA Vatek is tough. Like, I really would hate for them to play in the Sweet 16. I hate these like familiar uh, matchups this early in the tournament. Yeah. Um, drives me nuts. Um, I think I'm a little, I'm probably a little bullish on Vatek just based on having just watched that game on Saturday where they look. Like I don't know who they wouldn't have beaten that day the way they shot. Right. Um, but UVA beat them earlier in the week. UVA kind of has their number as of late, um, and like I just can't see UVA flaming out early again. Like I, I know last year happened. I'm not gonna try. I'm trying not to hold that against them forever. Um, <laughs> oh, I'm going to. And also, like yeah, the 16 seed is super embarrassing, and they deserved it not for it. Um, I know people have like people have acted like UVA's been flaming out early every year, and it's more like they flamed out like the Sweet Sixteen Elite Eight, like just to the same teams. Repeatedly. Yes, Michigan State there is nowhere to be found on this in this region. Uh, Michigan is, but I only I, I was way in on the Wolverines like maybe three weeks ago. I, these haven't looked great. Um, Nevada's talented, but I think they the two inconsistent. Texas Tech, I enjoy. I might go, I think I'm going to go UVA, Texas Tech, and I think that game is going to be like in the 40s. <laughs> I'll go Virginia, and I know I've gone all three ones, um, but I'm going UVA, Texas Tech in this one. Um, but Michigan could easily make noise there. Nevada is, or Nevada, sorry, is a uh, really dangerous six. Vatek um, obviously could beat anyone. Um, I don't love the rest of this bracket, though. Although St. John's, honestly, is kind of a sneaky nine. Ole Miss, I'm not buying, though. Yeah, I have to agree there. Um, to, to, to expedite things, I do hear my child crying in the background. Um, give me... Uh, 
I think I'll take Virginia, though Virginia Tech could very well challenge them. I think I'll take Virginia over uh, Texas Tech as well. Um, there's there's some upset potential here, but I think this could be a very chalky region. Um, so that's two ACC teams for me already. Um, then the last region, the Midwest, where uh, Chris has placed Syracuse. Chris being uh, Chris DeBertian, for those who don't know, uh, closet Syracuse fan. And uh, a closet. No, I know. <laughs> he's just he's a he's a Syracuse Florida. There seems to be a lot of Syracuse Florida fans for whatever reason, and they all seem to be generated in different ways. Yeah, it's it's, it's but, a love for orange and blue. Yes. Uh, but yeah, this is the third uh, region, and this one, the top four seeds again for those listening at home: uh, Michigan State, Kansas. North Carolina, and Houston. Uh, this one, I'll just skip ahead to my Elite Eight. Um, I think I think Syracuse would be Michigan State. I think Syracuse gets themselves to um, the Sweet 16. I think they lose to Houston, however. Um, I think Houston ends up going on a little bit of a miracle run to Kansas City um, in the Elite Eight. I think on the other side of the bracket, um, you end up with North Carolina and... Here goes the conspiracy theories from everybody on the block. <laughs> Give me UNC over Houston to get to the Final Four. Three ACC teams for me. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, Kansas is a two. Not going to happen with how they look right now. No. Um, I think I, I think Washington beats Iowa. Iowa's been struggling. Um, Washington, Kansas. Kansas shoots the ball well from three. But I don't think they're consistent enough. I think I don't know if they, Washington would beat them, but Washington would give them, I think, a real headache. Um, I also like uh, I also like UNC from the bottom there, um, just kind of by default. I'm not in love with LSU. I don't think Loyola Chicago is going to do the thing again. Unfortunately, um, they just haven't looked great this year. Kansas, I'm just way out on. Um, oof. Yeah, I I'm kind of looking at either. Either Houston or Wisconsin. Um, I don't love Wisconsin this year, but I feel like they they're kind of flying flying just enough under the radar where you can't totally uh, and they're good enough in the tournament generally um, or you know recent history. Um, Houston was awesome to start the year. They were one of the last undefeated teams. Michigan State, I think, are going to come back to the to the pack a bit here. I, I just don't think they have enough star power um, to be honest. Uh, I think they probably would beat Syracuse this season. I just can't imagine us doing that twice to them, <laughs> uh, as much as I would welcome it. Um, That's fair. So, yeah. Hmm. Stuart, I'm just going to be a homer this week. I- I'm, doing, I'm doing Syracuse-UNC. I think UNC will beat us. Um, but I'll do Syracuse-UNC in the Elite Eight. Fair enough. Uh, and then the final four. Uh, so, for me... That gives us a matchup between North Carolina and Virginia. I'll go Virginia there. Same, same. And then on the other side, we've got Duke against Gonzaga. Um, I'll actually take the Zags. Actually, no, sorry. I didn't pick Virginia, did I? Um, uh, what did, did you do? I, I thought I, I did pick Virginia, even against yeah, my better against my better judgment. Um, I'm going to pick... Two teams that I hate. <laughs> I'll actually pick the Zags to win the whole thing over Virginia. All right. I'm actually going to switch from earlier. I'm going to go Kentucky over Duke. All right. I'm going to have Kentucky. I'm going to have a – this is a strange bracket. Uh, Kentucky versus Tennessee. Uh, in And we'll know a lot more about that matchup when they play twice. I'm going to go with the Cats um, right now, even though I think I like Tennessee more. I just feel better about Kentucky in the tournament. And then, and I think they're kind of due. And then I'm going UVA over UNC, and I will date, I will take the Hoos. I'll take the Hoos to win the national championship finally over Kentucky. All right. In a very, very ugly game. <laughs> I, I, I respect the game, even if I hate that matchup. Sixty-five, fifty-seven. Put it in the books. Funny enough, that's exactly the score in the Syracuse game right now, according to uh, ESPN's game. It match. is, and that's probably why I'm not going to be. That's probably why it was in my head. Although. The Syracuse game is eight minutes left. That would be the final score of the Kentucky UVA game. At best, I'm thinking more like 57-48. Oh god, those two teams, and like neither one's a bad offensive team, but they're both very good defensive teams, and yeah, they would have trouble. That's fair. 
Um, cool. Well, uh, I think that wraps us up. We went over an hour once again because once we started going uh, off topic, that's what happens. Uh, we didn't. We did do play by play um, because we're not doing that for BC. So. Absolutely not. <laughs> uh, <laughs> anyway, uh, Dan, anything else this week? Yeah, Tyus might go for like forty points if we let him go on enough tonight. <laughs> Let's do this, Tyus battle. Um, anyway. That was Dan. I'm John. Thank you, everyone, for listening to Troy Noons and Absolute Podcasts. Syracuse sports make me drink. Um, We'll figure out a more clean and easy way to say that. Um, Again, for those who weren't listening or didn't care at the top, uh, this is going to sound a lot like the NBA's Ringer show. Uh, Well, Ringer, sorry. The Ringer's, eh. Lewis fixed this. (laughs) (laughs) The Ringer's NBA show, where there are numerous shows within the NBA show, it's going to be... Uh, on the same feed, uh, yeah. to make it easy. Yeah, on the same feed to make it easy. We'll uh, we'll 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 have more shows as we go. I promise. Um, anyway, that was Dan. I'm for John. Thank you, everybody, for listening. You can rate, review, subscribe on iTunes, on Blog Talk, wherever else you listen to podcasts, and go orange. Go orange. We deliver tickets, T-shirts, and everything you need to rock. But what you really get is so much more. FedEx Delivery. Passion. What we deliver by delivering. Now is the chance to use reliable energy to grow your money with the Dominion Energy Reliability Investment. Our new investment product offers competitive returns, no maintenance fees, and flexible online access to your money. Make the reliable investment in reliable energy. The Dominion Energy Reliability Investment. To find out more, go online to reliabilityinvestment.com. That's reliabilityinvestment.com.